Good morning. Daniel, would you like to say good morning? Good morning. If you'll notice on the stage this morning, there are three of us at various stages of life. We have a baby, a child, and a man. Now let me introduce to you the other two. This is Jackson. He's eight weeks old. And this is Daniel. And how old are you? Seven. And he's seven. And if you do not know these fine young men, they are the brothers of Emma Hines. And she's five. Now their father is hunting today, or he's probably not hunting today, but he is hunting this week in West Virginia. And he's gone to where uh, Stephanie lives, and he is going to hunt with her father this week. Now, when we think about the physical stages of life, it's so obvious that we just take them for granted. For example, if I told you that Jackson was going hunting this week, you wouldn't believe me. Have you ever gone hunting? You probably will one day, won't you? As a matter of fact, he could go along on a hunt right now, couldn't he? Because he's at a different stage than Jackson. But yet it's obvious that his father would be the one hunting. Now, if he kills a deer and he comes back, Kevin may cook deer tenderloin. Would you eat some of that, Daniel? Maybe. (laughs) Do you think Jackson would eat some? Obviously not. We know that babies don't eat meat. Now, did your father tell you he was going hunting this week? Yeah. Y'all probably talked about it a little bit, didn't you? And you're going to go up and see him Tuesday, right? Y'all probably talked about that. Tuesday evening, we're going to head there, and then we're going to be there at night. Okay. Did Jackson talk to him about that? No. Because there are different stages in life. Jackson doesn't talk about a lot of things right now. At least not in uh, language that you and I may visit in. But now, on the other hand, Daniel, he's very capable to speak. As a matter of fact, he not only can speak English, he can speak Japanese, right? You want to count to five? That's ten. I knew that. I knew that. His father is a very good communicator. His father's filled in preaching when they lived in Japan. He would be on the rotation of preachers. Uh, He would uh, teach Bible class. A great communicator. Uh, As an engineer, calculus, trigonometry, things like that are things that he loves. You probably know what 2 plus 2 is, right? What would that be? But Jackson wouldn't know that. Again, as we began this morning, we said... It's so obvious to us physically. But this morning, as we think about edification, I'd like for you to think about what is so obvious physically. Do we really understand it spiritually? Think about that and we'll begin in just a moment. When we think about the work of the church, oftentimes it has been divided into three major areas. We think about evangelism. We think about benevolence. But this morning especially, let's think about edification. 
Brother Baxter in his book makes this statement. One of the responsibilities of the church, therefore, through its elders and others whom they choose to assist them, is to see that newborn babes in Christ grow and mature into full-grown Christians. You know, so oftentimes we talk about edification, and we give it the definition that comes straight out of the original language, and it means to build up. And it's easy for us to think about a city that is growing, and we say, that city is really building up over there. Or we think about a facility, and it's being added on to, and we think about the, the facility building up in that sense. But this morning, I hope if we can accomplish one thing, that all of us realize that when we talk about building up the church, we're not talking about adding on a facility. And the truth is, we've misunderstood if we think that the only thing of edification is to add to the numbers of the church. Because in its most simple meaning, that's really not what is the driving force of edification. The idea of edification is that we take individuals at whatever stage they're in in life and we help them grow to the next stage. There are some here this morning that they are a babe in Christ. And if we as a church are going to edify that particular friend, that particular brother or sister, we're going to help them move to another stage of life. Those that are children spiritually, to edify them is to help them move towards maturity. Now keep in mind, we never reach a mark of maturity of which we ought to be satisfied on this earth. And so all of us ought to continually be individuals that want to grow. In other words, think of this. All of us are at different stages in life, but all of us ought to be willing to grow. And we need each other in order to grow. Jackson needs his parents in order to grow. Daniel and Emma can also help him grow because they're at a different stage in life. And the truth is, all of us that are parents know that oftentimes it's children that help us grow. We realize the heavy responsibility to set the right example to provide. We listen to their questions and sometimes we wonder. They're far beyond their years with the wisdom of that question. And so it is, we all help each other grow. This morning, I want you to think on a personal level and also as a congregation. What are you doing right now to be edified? What are you doing to grow? And what are you doing to help someone else grow? And then finally, what are we as a congregation doing to make sure that all of us are growing? Let's look at the text that was so capably read. And I would like for you to see... Most of the text is there on the screen right now. And I'd like for you to notice just a few high points. In verse 11, we see that he begins this particular text with talking about the leaders of the church. And this was the infant church. And so we have the apostles and prophets mentioned here. And even once the church grew beyond her infancy and there were no longer apostles and there was no longer the miraculous measure of, of prophets, we still see that there were evangelists or preachers. We see that there were pastors or elders. And we see that there were teachers. And as the church matured, we know that there were deacons appointed. And so we think in the realm of if you are at that stage in life, if you are one that has influence over several people, what is it that God has in mind for us? Look, if you will, at verse 12. He spoke... And he said it was for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry. But notice that third thing there. For the edifying of the body of Christ. It's literally for the building up of the body of Christ. 
Now, what is the body of Christ? It's the church. If we build up the church, what have we done? We have built up individuals in the body of Christ. Now, notice in verse 13, what we want to accomplish is, at the end of 13, it's underlined there on the screen, the measure or the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's our mark. That's what we're striving to become. We want to become as the measure the stature of Jesus Christ. There's no higher ambition in our life to say, I want to be like Jesus. I want to grow in maturity like Jesus. Now, note verse 15. He says, about speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into Him who is the head, Christ. Do you see in this passage how, as he speaks about edification... He continually talks about growing up. And as he talks about growing up, he talks about leaving childhood and moving to a maturity like the stature of the maturity of Jesus Christ. Now, as we look at this next slide, we've taken what we've just seen there and we've tried to divide it down to to simplify it. In other words, when we think from this passage, how did Paul identify a babe? We see in this passage, as we drop back to verse 14, he said that we should no longer be children. Now note this, it is perfectly acceptable for some individuals to be babes in Christ at this very moment. It's perfectly acceptable for some to be children in Christ at this very moment. But you see, the problem is when we stay at that point. It's not natural for us to not grow. And so once a babe remains a babe for months and months and years and years, we have problems. In Hebrews, the fifth chapter, he spoke, When for the reason of time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again the first principles. You see what he was saying when he said, for by reason of time? He's saying, enough time has elapsed that you should no longer be children. Now you should be moving on to maturity. There was another time that Paul wrote to those of Corinth and he told them, I want to be able to say more to you, but you're still babes and you're not able to accept it. In other words, he was saying to them, they should have been growing beyond that, but they were not ready for that. In other words, when you and I remain a babe or a child too long, we literally are dealing irresponsibly with our responsibility that God has given us to grow. But notice the second thing. These individuals, still in verse 14, they were tossed to and fro. Picture this in your mind. Like a boat, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. You see, these children had no stability. Now, we don't read of a storm here. We don't read of a violent hurricane or some kind of tornado or some kind of uh, heavy gust of wind. But they still were being tossed. Every little gentle wind pushed them off the course. Why? Because they were immature. What was the point? Notice the end of verse 14. By the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness and deceitful plotting. You see... Their immaturity had led them to the point that others could easily get them off track. Now, this will work out beautifully if we put together some things we covered the last few weeks, some things you covered in your Bible class the last few weeks. You remember in Ephesians, in in Ephesus, in Acts, the 20th chapter, you remember Paul, he called the elders down and he met with them and we studied that last week. And you know, one of the things he warned them about is that there would be savage wolves that would come in and they would try to destroy them. And then you remember he wrote those qualifications 
for elders in 1 Timothy, the third chapter, Timothy was working with the church in Ephesus. And now this morning, we're studying the same writing that he writes, that of Ephesians. He writes to those people of Ephesus. And what is he saying to these people? He's saying there's some people that will intentionally try to pull you off course. Someone says, I believe that those that teach false doctrine, they really don't know. They're, they're ignorant and they're not doing it intentionally. Friend, I'd have no problem believing that there are some that teach false doctrine out of ignorance. But friend, you and I are ignorant of the Word of God. If we believe that all false teachers do so out of innocence and ignorance. God tells us from the beginning of the church... There are going to be some that with a deceptive mind, cunning and crafty ways, they calculate ways that they can pull people away from the truth and after them. I want to give you a phrase. And if you will look at the three aspects of teaching there on the left side of Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verse 14, this phrase fits perfectly a common thread through all three of those. When you and I remain like that spiritually, it's like stealing candy from a baby. That's what had happened to them. He's saying, I can't believe that you remain children. I can't believe that you had no stability. I can't believe it was so easy for individuals to trick you and turn you away. But what if we're going to leave that of being a babe? What if we're going to move and grow and mature as the Lord would want us to? Let's look at verse 13. Notice as he speaks of, a, of being an adult here spiritually. He begins 13 by saying, Till we all come to the unity of the faith. In other words, instead of being tossed to and fro with no stability, now there are individuals that say, We're going to grow. Well, where are we going to grow? We're going to grow in the church. We're going to be a unified body of believers. Well, what are we going to believe? What you believe or what I believe or what someone else says? No. We're going to be unified in the faith. Now, so oftentimes today in the religious circles, we speak of faith as if it's all personal. Obviously, you and I must have faith in God. But when we read in the Scriptures, we need to look and see, is the faith being described here what you and I must have, or is the faith being described what is this system of belief that comes from following Christ's covenant? Friends, there's no question in this particular text. When they had the unity of the faith, it wasn't that they had a vote and said, which person's faith are we going to have? They went back to the faith. That system of belief that comes from this covenant. If you have your Bible open, just look back to verse 4 of this very same chapter. See in Ephesians 4 and verse 4, he says, There is one body and one spirit, just as you're called, and one hope of your calling, one Lord, and here it is, one faith and one baptism. And then he speaks of one God the Father. So as he lists the seven ones here, he speaks of one faith. How can we all have one faith? We can have one faith when we all go back to Christ's covenant. We don't add anything to it. We don't take anything away from it. When we say we want to be Christians, nothing more and nothing less. We want to be a part of the Lord's body, nothing more and nothing less. That is the faith that we want to be a part of. Now we have stability. We have something to cling to. Not being tossed to and fro. But notice the next line still here in verse 13. And he says, 
and of the knowledge of the Son of God. So he's saying that we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. We have responsibility. We have responsibility to learn the Word of God. When you see a little puppy that's just been born, he's wobbling on those feet trying to find his mother. You know, if you saw a dog that was a year old wobbling in the same way, you would immediately say something's terribly wrong. But if you see that puppy that's a a few hours old doing that, you smile and you say, isn't that precious? What's the difference? The difference is there's been time to mature. And if that animal is still acting like it did when it was a few hours old, something's tragically wrong. We grow greatly concerned about children if they're not growing in a healthy way. Friends, we have a responsibility to grow spiritually. Someone says, I just want to grow close to God. More than anything, I want to grow in my relationship with God. Question. What have you read in the Scriptures this week and applied to your life? Oh, when I hadn't had time to read the Scriptures, you know, I live a busy life. But I tell you what, I am serious about my relationship and growing closer to God. But you haven't read. Take that little puppy and pull him away from the milk. Take that year old dog and pull him away from his food. Oh, I'm serious about having good pets. I like taking care of my pets. You never see me mistreat a pet. Hadn't fed them in the last week. But you won't see me mistreat my pets. Friends, please note this. I can't be responsible in my relationship with God and not feed on the milk and the meat of the Word. Period. There's no exception to that. It doesn't matter how busy we are. It doesn't matter how important other things might seem. The bottom line is, we cannot be edified. We cannot grow if we refuse to eat. Why is it that we ought to, with every ounce of our being, encourage new converts and young Christians and mature Christians to be a part of Bible classes because we need to eat. Why is it that we encourage individuals to pray and to study the Word of God every day? Because we need to eat. In the life of a congregation, we must have that type of edification. But notice this other thing here at the end of verse 13. To a perfect man, to the measure of a stature, the fullness of Christ. Now, of course, there's some that say, now is this saying that we just become a complete man, a perfect man? In some uh, other settings, that would probably be a natural conclusion. But here, because it's linked with Jesus Christ, he's probably saying, this is the mark. In other words, you know, when, when you target shoot, you have a mark, you have a bullseye you're trying to hit. What are we trying, what is the mark that we're trying to reach for spiritually? The perfect man, the stature of Jesus Christ. We won't make it on this earth, but wouldn't it be awesome if we could honestly say next year at this time, I'm closer than I was last year. Isn't it awesome if you and I can look back and just factually, not in humility or pride, but factually we can say, I'm closer to that mark this year than what I was last year. Friends, 
As we think about this, I'd like for you to look to the very next two verses. We're seeing from moving from a babe to a man. But look, if you will, at verse 15 and 16, and he tells us how this can be done. We can move from a babe to a man through, you see there in verse 15, we can grow up in all things, but how? By speaking the truth in love. Look at 16. For whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. And then notice what he says, which every part does its share causes growth of the body. You see in 15 he says we can grow if we speak the truth in love. 16 says we can cause growth in the body if, if we're willing to be joined and knit together. And if we're willing for every member to do its share. Friends, it's not just enough to say I love the truth and I want to encourage other people uh, to, to learn the truth. But we have to be willing to share the truth in love. When you teach someone, when you converse with someone about scriptural things and, and you're trying your best to hold up the truth, do they see an individual that loves them? And the way we proclaim the truth, do they see a God that loves them? Listen, if I can teach the Bible to someone and them not see a God that loves them, I have not spoken the truth, number one, and I definitely have not spoken the truth in love. And we need each other. We need to be joint and knit together. Whatever joint supplies, the elbow joins together the lower arm with the upper arm. Think of all that can be done when that is a proper order, how we can all work together. But then the point is, we all must do our part. This morning, we're thinking about edification. We're thinking about building up the body of Christ, beginning with us individually. Will you think with me as we conclude here how these apply to our life? These four thoughts of application. As you see these, ask yourself how you're doing. Ask yourself how we as a congregation are doing. You see, if we're to grow from a babe toward maturity, we need leaders who know how to grow babies. So oftentimes we pray for our elders and the great decisions that they have to make to lead a congregation of this size, to make decisions about mission work. We have five elders away this morning on a trip to discuss future mission plans with another eldership this morning in Kentucky. They make a lot of heavy and important decisions. But friends, you and I can't overlook this. We're not the leader God has designed us to be. We're not the elder. We're not the deacon. We're not the Bible class teacher. We're not the mother and father God has designed us to be if we don't know how to grow spiritual babies. If we don't know how to do that, we've missed the whole point. We also have to decide this morning if we're learners. If we are learners who refuse to remain babies. It's all right if you're a babe this morning, if you're willing to say, I'm not going to stay there. We also can grow if we have members who speak the truth, reflecting love. But then finally, we can grow individually and collectively when we are workers who insist on doing our part. When we see laziness out in the community and we see a a man or a woman that won't take care of their children, it usually ruffles our feathers, doesn't it? 
You know, individuals can have the same lazy tendency in their relationship with the church. Are you doing your part here? There's a lot of folks here that's willing to work hard and and to do their share and someone else's. It happens often. But the point is, we as a congregation can't be what God wants us to be until each one is willing to do their part. And the truth is, you can't grow as an individual until you're ready to say, Here I am, Lord. Send me. I'm ready to serve. We're thinking about edification, building up. Next time you think about edification, please don't picture a building. Please don't just picture some kind of mass increase. Next time you think about edification, I'd like for you to think about an eight-week-old baby. I'd like for you to think about a seven-year-old boy. And I'd like for you to think about a mature adult. And think about, that's what we're trying to do. We're just trying to help people make one step in their life closer to God. We don't move from that baby to adulthood overnight. And we'd be a fool to expect anyone else to. This morning, we're just asking you if you need help moving to the next step. If you're not a child of God and you want to be born into Christ, won't you do that this morning? We'd love to help you with that step if you've never been baptized into Christ. Maybe you have been baptized into Christ and along the way you've gotten discouraged. Maybe we haven't supported you like you needed. Maybe you've lost focus of important things. Whatever it is, let's make it right this morning. If you need to repent and confess sins, if we can help you in any way take another step closer to God, come as we stand.